0: There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money.
0: My job has been to try and figure out which is which.
1: It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle.
2: Well, good evening, my good friends. Welcome to the show about money. It's Saturday night. What a better time to sit around and chat about moolah indeed and i'll I'll tell you uh money is not really complicated long-term process you stick to quality stay in the game you do that for 25 years my friend i guarantee you'll be very very happy um that said we have to uh, remain happy through covid 19 and uh, it has been difficult uh, for many people we all know that uh and my thoughts and prayers go to all those who have been suffering And, uh, you know, when your job's affected, it can affect your family life. And uh, certainly I'm hearing a lot of stories of uh, conflict uh, at the home front on the uptick. Um, It's a pleasure to uh, have Michael Cochran join us. He's a lawyer, partner at Brody Thorning. Um, He's been uh, in the business, good golly, 40 years now of uh, practice. Michael, (laughs) that's (laughs) that's that's serious. serious. You actually have gray hair now, too. (laughs) Well, you have hair. Congratulations. That's impressive. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Um, I guess it's a bit of a bittersweet, uh, you know, dealing with family crises can be very stressful as a practitioner, I'm sure, Michael, eh? Uh,
3: Yeah, and I would say that COVID has made it uh, extra difficult. Uh, You know, we're always typically seeing people at their worst to begin with. But uh, COVID has uh, added an extra layer of stress for everybody.
2: Yeah. Well, look, I, I think we're all coming to the realization that uh, COVID will be with us for approximately another 12 months uh, as the uh, vaccination uh, Starts to unfold around the planet. That will take certainly time, um, and of course, the uh, uh, immunity, uh, you know, in society will take time to uh, increase, enhance, and uh, of course, we will return back to normal. But between now and then, uh, we have to, I think, accept more of the same. And you know, Jack, uh, of course, uh, joining us this evening as well, my good friends, my partner in your financial success. But Jack, you and I both know firsthand the expense. Um, and the cost to a sound financial plan due to uh, family upset. Um, but the, the name of the game is to try to mitigate <laughs> the hatred, increase the love, and you know if it's not working, find a amicable process uh, to part ways uh, to obviously uh, maintain financial health and, uh, I think, uh, the emotional health with uh, family members. But, uh, Michael, off-air, you mentioned to us the whole process, of um, dealing with family law due to COVID has changed. Please uh, share with us uh, what, what should we be aware of in terms of how you now go about uh, filing for divorce and, and, and dealing with the details of a divorce.
3: Yeah, I think the big, uh, the big cha- challenge that uh, all family law lawyers are facing now is the way that the courts have uh, been forced to respond. They've, uh, they've basically shut down. So most court appearances are done by Zoom calls or teleconferences now and because of the um, the initial shutdown created a backlog so now when you try to get something new into the system you're you're in line behind a lot of other people who've got uh, disputes that are waiting sometimes they've been waiting years to have them resolved And the court's not about to deal with uh, the new things coming in unless there's some kind of real urgency. So that was the first thing that we heard from the courts was uh, don't come and ask us to make court orders for you unless you can really demonstrate that there's some kind of pressing importance to this issue. Does it deal with your kids? Is there a plane on a tarmac somewhere and a child is going to leave the country? You know, is it a real emergency? Because if it's not, we don't have time for you right now. So that that was the message that came out, and um, obviously some people still you know had to get into the system. There were people who who had kids in motion. You know, their early case uh, involved kids that uh, were were in Tunisia uh, and weren't going to be sent back to Ontario uh, because father was worried about uh, COVID. So you know, cases like that were were considered to be emergencies that would be dealt with. But the big change was. No access to the courts or limited access to the courts, and that then drove people to either negotiate between, you know, lawyer to lawyer, or to go into mediation and arbitration. So the mediation arbitration business has just skyrocketed uh, as a result of COVID.
2: Yeah, indeed. Uh, often a more uh, cost-effective means. Um, again, I have a uh, Jack and I obviously are dealing with. Uh, higher net worth individuals uh, in our daily practice and their lives tend to be a little bit more complex um, than a typical Canadian family where you have, you know, husband, wife, both employed, two children, mortgage, um, and and, and life unfolds. Um, Once you start to accumulate wealth, you may have holding companies, you may have partnerships, there may be multi-generational wealth transfer taking place. Uh, I know of cases where Two partners um, built a business of, of real estate holdings and it's now in the third generation of operation. There are 22 people involved, and having 22 people sit at the table becomes very complicated. But as a, the more complexity in your life, if you're all of a sudden thrown into a divorce situation, how do you unravel? 25, 30 years of buildup and, and uh, you know, to to, to do a, a freeze, to get a valuation, um, you know, with COVID, How long could this a divorce process take for a high net worth uh, individual, Michael?
3: Yeah, I would say that uh, the high net worth individuals and the people who have complex holdings, the biggest challenge they face is their financial disclosure because, uh, once uh, somebody gets in to talk to a lawyer, whether it 's the husband or the wife or you know somebody owns a business or they um, they have a family trust, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, the first thing that the lawyers ask is to fill out financial statements that show basically everything you own and everything that you owe, uh, including what you owned and owed the day you got married. so there is a snapshot prepared of the family 's wealth between date of marriage and date of separation and every number that's recorded in that financial statement, every asset, every bank account, every credit card, every mortgage, every line of credit, family trust, you shares in a company, you name it. All of that information has to be supported by documents. So if you have RSP balances as of the day you separated, you have to have a piece of paper that establishes that number. So I think that the people who have the high net worth um, the complication they face right off the bat is they got to get a lot of paperwork organized, and it often means getting their accountants involved or uh, tax lawyers to uh, to put together that uh, that picture. But it's no different from them for them as it is for the family that has just you know as you say a house and a mortgage and maybe they got a cottage and a timeshare or something. Um, you add it up, you add up the net worth of each person, you deduct one from the other, and then you you s- divvy up those values in a way that. Each spouse leaves that marriage with roughly the same net net worth. Um, and I would say just to make things uh, you know a little more complicated is that not everybody agrees on the value of the assets so somebody may say, well, I have a minority sure. interest in a particular business and uh, my minority interest you know should be discounted for you know particular reasons. oh no no no, your minority interest is worth a lot more than you say then we have to go out and hire business valuators to come in and, and give us opinions on, uh, on uh, what that asset's worth. I have a case right now where one of the assets is a, a long-term care home. Would you buy one of those right now?
2: Yeah, well, that's just it. And I've heard of situations like that, of people having assets from gravel pits. Uh, you know, you value a gravel pit. <laughs> um, I also heard of situations, uh, Michael, and by the way, if you're just joining us, the, the show is Hi-Fi Radio, it's Saturday night, as you all know. Welcome, Show About Money. I am Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle, my partner, uh, in for your cause. We're talking to uh, Michael Cocker. He's a lawyer, focuses on family law. Uh, COVID, of course, has escalated the amount of conflicts at home. Michael is an amazing lawyer. He's been on the show many times. And I, I've had a number of listeners reach out to us, uh, who Michael then has had dialogue with. And he often uh, to sends them off to mediators to Pass on the business, hey, there's a cheaper route for you to take. Uh, so, he's a very, very ethical individual. I tip my hat to you for that. But, Michael, let's go back now to assets and disclosure. I've heard of situations of individuals, men in this situation, who have had spouses, ex spouses, mistresses, and they went out and bought life insurance policies on, uh, on, their, on themselves with their uh, mistress. Ex-wife as beneficiary, uh, named directly on the policy, um, that cannot—that certainly does bypass probate. It can bypass your will. Would something like that uh, have to be disclosed? Um, cause I, I have a sense it, it doesn't, but please, I'm going to the expert, not I.
3: No, there's uh, actually a particular box on every financial statement that shows uh, a place for you to record every life insurance policy you own, whether it's on your spouse's life or, or somebody else's life, your, or you know children's lives. Uh, that that is disclosed, and um, not to get into too many complications about it, but there has been litigation around uh, clawing back life insurance proceeds into an estate, you know, somebody buys a policy in the expectation the money is going to flow around the estate uh, at the mm-hmm. time of the, of the person's death. And then the people in the, who are operating and running the estate and have creditors see that money flowing around uh, by way of the uh, insurance policy, and they have made efforts to try and claw that back into the estate so they can use some of those proceeds to pay debts. Um, so, it says uh, uh, often no guarantee around that, but uh, certainly it has yeah, to be. But generally speaking,
2: life insurance does bypass your estate. Life insurance is tax free. And again, I, I guess I could technically buy a policy. Let's just say you know, uh, <laughs> buy a policy and, and make the beneficiary my alleged mistress. And then I could perhaps change the ownership over to Jack. I him the owner of the policy, and I just every month give Jack 100 bucks to pay for the policy, uh, at which point I'm no longer the owner, I'm not the beneficiary. Uh, I guess I would have been the original settler, but no longer am if that is the correct term, I believe it is with insurance. Uh, so I guess there are ways around it. But my uh, good, good friend, it's Saturday night, we're talking about money uh, and one of the biggest hurdles to financial success is divorce. I, I, I wish upon no one because uh, it can wreak havoc with your finances, but to mitigate uh, the, the, the pain, uh, certainly financial uh, advice, professional advice is what it's all about. Uh, Michael Cochran is a lawyer focusing on family law, specifically divorce law. Of course, I'm a money manager along with my partner, Jack Hartle, and we're all really good at what we do so check us out wolfgangklein.com. no question too big no question too small we are here to help all uh stay tuned more show right after this global news radio 640 toronto
1: money. let's take a break but after wolf and jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto
2: is going to be a different Christmas, without question. It's going to be a different Hanukkah. It's going to be a different Festivus for the rest of us. Um, And so some comfort food to bring us all back home, I think, helps us all to remind ourselves, yes, where we're coming from. And uh, I've been nibbling on some of my beautiful mother's German uh, Christmas cookies that Kathleen, my beautiful bride, has taken upon herself to make. Mother's no longer with us, but her cookies uh, remain Oh, i choking myself up here. Uh, it's Saturday, my good friend. It's a wonderful, wonderful season. And I hope there is love in your home. But, uh, Jack, let's go over to you, pal. Let's talk about change uh, in the world.
0: Sure, yeah, COVID has really brought change, Wolf. And uh, the stay-at-home, uh, work-from-home theme has really picked up, obviously. You see uh, Zoom, we talked about that before the break. We own DocuSign for our clients, did very well with it. Uh, you know, being able to get digital signatures and process documentation. But I just wanted to see and talk to Mike about uh, the importance of updating wills, and how can we do that in a COVID-type environment?
3: You know, I'm glad you asked about that because uh, there has been a bit of an uptick in uh, clients uh, phoning in to ask about amending their will or to finally make one, uh, and also, importantly, to get uh, powers of attorney for personal care and for property. And I'll say, just to start, that's for families there are also, there's a whole body of people out there who are looking after assets for their parents and they're doing it by virtue of power of attorney or they need to do it. And they're not getting access to those parents inside long-term care because of the rules. So, so it's, COVID's really complicated that as well. But good news on making wills and powers of attorney is the province uh, has changed the rules to allow lawyers and clients now to do remote Uh, uh, virtual witnessing of wills and powers of attorney and also to sign them in counterpart. And what that means is that usually when you sign a document, the person who signs and the witness are putting their, their signatures on the same piece of paper. When you do it by counterpart, you can actually uh, assemble a document so that one witness and one person is signing on that page and the same kind of page is signed somewhere else by a different person and a different witness so you can then assemble that document and it's still binding. So the the province, uh, to their credit, has made it easier for us to do this with people. And if somebody's listening and they don't have a will or they don't have powers of attorney, you should. This is the best value you can get from a lawyer is to have that those documents put together for you, and uh, it really gives you peace of mind.
0: I think that's really good that the government's adapted to that change. And usually governments are, are slow to change, but with COVID, I think everyone's forced to adapt and uh, you know move forward. But uh, the one thing I would ask you there, Mike, is power of attorneys and wills um, with COVID. Are you seeing like exceptional urgency? Like people are concerned about getting the virus and saying, you know, I need to update my will because of that.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um I would say interestingly it's been younger families. You know, there are there've been cases in the news about, uh, you know, 35-year-old father passing away leaving wife and two kids uh, or um people losing family members and uh, not having a will in place. So it it really does create uh a, a lot of urgency and it's something that can be done. it's it's easy to do. We have you know lawyers have precedence. we 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 can, even if it involves something a little off the beaten path, like maybe you have a child that's uh, has a disability, and we need to create a particular kind of trust for that child to to manage their funds in future if something bad happens. So um, good value from a lawyer to get a will and a power of attorney. And I can tell you right now, lawyers make no money on wills and powers of attorney. The amount of time that's put into doing it, it far exceeds the value. We we usually do it as it's a public service and it's a way to meet clients. It's a nice way to meet people. Um, but uh, good good value for money to get that those documents done.
2: Yeah, what it's, it's uh, what else you see out, out there, Michael, with uh, with COVID. Like what's really caught you by surprise, uh, having to, to force you to really make some change in adaption to how you service uh, the public.
3: I would say the technology part has been a big challenge for a lot of lawyers. You know, we've, uh, our our office is the 29th floor of BCE Place downtown. Uh, I've been into that office uh, four times since March. I'm working entirely, uh, almost entirely from home now. And that meant, uh, you know, booting up the technology that I have here at home, printers, you know, better computers, uh, being able to do Zoom calls. Sometimes I'm sitting here at my desk and I've got, uh, something going on on an iPad, something going on on my iMac, something going on, you know, on, on my phone all at the same time. So it's been a big adjustment for lawyers. And I, I would say, you know, just for me, because you mentioned I've been at this 40 years, the the younger lawyers are very good at the technology and managing Zoom calls that have, you know, seven, eight screens and uh, breakout rooms and uh, – you know, young, younger lawyers, are, are, they can thrive in this kind of uh, environment where the technology is, uh, is so critical.
2: Well, what are you going to do, Michael, is you're going to income split and you're going to hire your grandchildren
3: to <laughs> coach you. How's that? Uh,
2: your kids might even be dual 40 years. You know, Jack and I have 40 years of experience as well, but it's 20 apiece. Uh, boy, I feel young after all, uh, Michael. Um, well, my good friend, I want to wish you love and peace and happiness in uh, your household. Uh, honestly, you've done a great job um, uh, helping our listeners uh, with family law, it's a very, very important topic. Uh, it can be a critical uh, turning and at critical turning points in your life, often you have to consult with people like Michael Cochran, great lawyer, great family lawyer. Uh, the name of the company, of course, is Browdy Thorning um, downtown. Actually, down our building, uh, 161 Bay Street on the 29th floor. Yeah, I've been down myself, Michael, about uh, I think five times uh, okay. since we, we exited the building, and it, it has an eerie feel downtown. But uh, it, it will come back. Uh, normalcy uh, is in front of us i 'm certain of it because we have to remain calm and patient and as I said, keep the love. it is so important and don 't get off track and make sure you have yourself a sound. Plan. And part of a financial plan is an estate plan, and part of an estate plan is a will. That's what Michael says. And it's a loss leader for these guys, uh, having a will drafted. So uh, go to individuals with experience, uh, pay a little bit of money, and have a very, very vital, critical document. A document that may cost you a 1000 or $2,000 to direct an estate of millions. Certainly, if you listen to this show... Uh, one day you will have millions, my good friends. You just listen to Jack, you listen to Wolfman, and you listen to our great guests. Uh, Michael, once again, thank you for your time. Uh, it's a treat and a delight, and I will speak with you next year. Sandy McIntyre, uh, a retired strategist uh, from uh, Century, is uh, gracious enough to spend some time with us. It's going to be an amazing call. This man has experience. Uh, in fact, he has more experience than Michael Cochran. Uh, you want to listen to this bit as well there, Michael, and learn something? It's all about money, my good friends. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
3: It's worth the wait the whole year through Just to make happy someone like you Little uh, Beach Boys, well, the
2: world is changing and 2021 is just in front of you. We survived. I certainly hope you and your family uh, survived COVID unscathed. And uh, if you've been affected by it, I certainly uh, have you in my prayers. May next year we be all safe and healthy. But uh, again, I think we have another year of COVID uh, to endure, And uh, such, uh, smaller faces and uh, more of the same. But we'll get through it nonetheless. Uh, Sandy McIntyre has seen everything and anything that can possibly happen on bay and wall street uh, sandy mcintyre is a veteran of bay street of well almost 50 years um now retired but uh, very very bright and uh, a delight to be able to uh, spend some time with him this saturday night sandy mcintyre thank you for your time and uh merry christmas my friend how are you keeping
4: well being retired is uh, an interesting state of life um I spent you know, a better part of 45 years on Bay Street dealing with regulatory and compliance while <laughs> managing other people's money. And now I'm a retail investor. I can do what I want to do, which is, is really pretty cool.
2: Yeah, you were, you were handcuffed somewhat, and uh, it's all about compliance and uh, front running and making sure that uh, you don't have any conflicts of Interest, but again, you, you you did eat your own cooking. You were able to buy as a fund manager. You were certainly able to buy your own funds, correct?
4: Uh, absolutely. And as a CIO, chief investment officer, I put structures in place to prevent um, analysts, portfolio managers, and sales guys from um, participating in early stage uh, investments that may eventually be applicable to our funds. What I was trying to do was drive everyone into investing in the funds, not into individual securities. And I'd point out that my major investments today are in funds of managers who I understand the process they use.
2: You know, Sandy, you're making a very powerful statement, and I don't know if our friends at home appreciate that. Uh, you, you are, a, I'm assuming, a, a wealthy You've had a 45-year career on Bay Street. Your, your century did extremely well. You were there from the beginning. So uh, I, I don't pity your, 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 your pocketbook. I think you're doing just fine. But the fact that you indicate that your money is still with other managers, i.e. mutual funds and alternatives, I assume, uh, is making a very bold statement in a world of Robinhood accounts, in a world of zero commissions, um, in, a, in a world of, hey, uh, you can do it yourself, here's a, here's a phone, go, go, go nuts and buy some Bitcoin and some mushrooms while you're at it.
4: Well, um, let's put it this way. Uh, I, I invest in what I call the structures of everyday life. Um, that's the things that you do on a recurring basis. And I also invest in the future structures of everyday life which uh, you find in the growth stock area of the market. In both cases, I use third-party managers because they have better information than I do. Um, I've always been of the belief that there is value at being at the top of the information chain, as opposed to responding to noise on CNBC or BNN. Uh, That's being at the bottom of the information chain.
2: So, I, so Jack and I are getting calls right here, right now. Um, not many, but a few, and I'm seeing a few other um, uh, uh, boasting posts on uh, social media right now about cryptocurrency. Um, what do you think of crypto? Where are we at? Uh, is there value? Would you invest? Are you investing in crypto?
4: Um, back in 2007. When gold was on a run, I went out and bought a gold watch because I wanted to use it as a prop in retail presentations. Uh, when I was asked about gold, uh, I would pull the watch off and say, you know, this is a very nice watch. It, work, it keeps fairly good time. Um, it looks pretty, but it's never paid me a dividend. <laughs> it, it doesn't produce cash flow. And I invest in cash flow. I particularly invest in free cash flow that can be used to reinvest in the business, to grow the business, or to pay me a dividend. Bitcoin doesn't do that. Gold doesn't do that. Silver doesn't do that. Actually, I've got a funny little story on silver. Um, Back when gold and silver were running in the late late 70s, I had a client who was really, really keen on silver. So we went out and we bought uh, a a block of silver, stored it over at at the Bank of Nova Scotia, and uh, the client unfortunately passed away. And after a year or so, um, his widow uh, came to me and said, why are we paying these storage fees? Sure. Uh, at this point, the price of silver had collapsed, so we went over to Scotia, pulled out the block of silver, and delivered it to her, and she took it home. Uh, a few months later, I asked her what she had done with it, and she said, well, I crocheted a cover for it, and I'm using it as a doorstop.
2: <laughs> oh, a true story from Sandy McIntyre. That's really funny, Sandy. Um Cash flow. Can you do me a favor, Sandy? Uh, Obviously, Jack and I know, but can you, in in layman's terms, uh, describe and explain the concept of cash flow from a company and its importance, the significance of it, why it is your uh, sword in the stone with how you manage and, and, and invest in companies?
4: Well, most of the listeners at this point would have natural gas furnaces um they we are in heating season and you have a debit put through your bank account on a monthly basis to pay for the natural gas that you've consumed whether it's union gas or enbridge or whatever on the invoice that is cash that is being transferred from you to the company Mm -hmm. the company then transfers a portion of that cash to a producer, say in an NCANA or um, Advantage or ARC, and the producer retains that cash and invests in their own business. Now, Enbridge has to maintain its pipeline. It has to maintain its distribution facilities, but the capital that's embedded in those assets doesn't have to be replaced for decades you know the life expectancy of transCanada's main line is probably something close to hundred years um, that's that the cash that's access to the internal needs of the business is returned to the shareholders through dividends or share repurchases and I personally own Enbridge um, I, I don't personally own any natural gas companies at this point. Uh, But I own the transit mechanism. I own things like railways, which are transit mechanisms. When you go to Costco to pick up your bulk loo roll, that stuff comes in on trucks, but it also it, it gets to the distribution center on a railway. And the railway is I don't think we're building another Class A railway <laughs> ever. Uh, but they yeah, are- I
2: want to jump in there, Sandy, because, you know, honestly, it, it, the Canadian stock market is thinner than, than Wolfgang Klein. You know, it, it truly is. There's not a lot to choose from. Uh, we have two incredible businesses, and they're called CP and CN. Jack and I own both, and I, I have a feeling we will be like Buffett to sit, uh, sit on those positions for a long time. Uh, let, let me pivot, if you don't mind, Sandy, if, if I may. I want to pivot over into the Canadian marketplace because you are certainly a, a very well-versed with the Canadian market. Um, let's talk, if you don't mind, about Shopify um, and, and how that fits into your mechanism. Another company that Jack and I have been holding recently is Descartes, and we just nibbled into some Camico and uh, Nutria.
4: Okay, Um I I don't really like to give views on single names uh, that are really popular because sometimes my views don't match what the view of the market is. Um, I cannot get my head around Shopify's valuation. No, Uh, nor can I. I, But I recognize it's now the largest stock on the TSX. Yeah. I... Get my head around a stock like Nutrien, and I, I must admit, I bought Nutrien in March. Um, Congratulations, nice buy. Well, um, teach you a little trick. Um, over time, markets tend to be mean reverting. Over the you know years since 1954, uh, 66 years. The upward slope on the S&P 500 runs at about 7%. Now, in annual terms, you very rarely get a smooth ride of 7%. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You'll be wildly above the trend line, or yep. you'll be wildly below the trend line. Yep. Uh, I, I, I use a tool that I've used for probably well, pushing... 25, 30 years, where I look at the spread between the spot market and the 200-day moving average. Mm -hmm. So so today, the spot market on the S&P 500, which is the market I really follow, is 37.16. The 200 is at 3,187. So we're 16.6% above the 200-day moving average. Mm-hmm. To find a similar data point, I've got to go back to February of 2020, or I go back to January of 2018, both, both of which were hot retail markets that broke. So I, I, I'm personally not fully invested. Now, in March, the S&P 500 got down to 21.92, which is around 35% below the 200-day moving average. Mm-hmm. And I got and I got fully invested. Um, I like it when there's blood in the streets. I like it when people are in despair, because that gives me an opportunity to deploy capital. And when things are really enthusiastic, I just wave my hands and say, God bless you, you may be making money. I don't have to play the same game. I invest for my personal investment objectives. I follow sure,
2: up. we with Sandy McIntyre, uh, former Chief Investment Officer and Strategist with Century Investments. Uh, Sandy, on Bay Street for north of 45 years. Uh, gracious to come out of retirement for a fireside chat on HiFi Radio, of course. Uh, Wolfgang Klein. Any questions for Jack or I? WolfgangKlein.com. Jack's going to tee up a few questions to... uh push Sandy into 2021 and get his views on next year. Uh, but as Sandy just indicated, he's obviously peeling back a little bit of money. Maybe he wants to buy some Christmas presents a little Christmas shopping. I know a friend of mine used to uh, come up with some uh, stocking stuffer list. Uh, he was looking for some stocks into next year. Tax loss season, of course, uh, is upon us. If there's anything to sell at a loss, not much. Probably some oil, that's about it. Uh, but beyond that, it's been a bull market it's- Historical proportions, to say the least. Quick break. Get right back to the show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Money.
1: Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Oh, 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 oh. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop.
2: Well, my good friends, final segment. Uh, perhaps Home Malone is on later on this evening, but for now, we're going to talk money. Uh, and of course, uh, Sandy McIntyre, Chief Investment Strategist, formerly with Sentry. Uh, Sandy, of course, uh, decided to retire after some 45 plus years on Bay Street, but of course, Sandy is now one of us. He is a retail investor. Welcome to the bright side of the street, Sandy. Uh, now, of course, uh, Sandy Jack, of course, is good enough to get you teed up, Jack enjoys strategy speak, shall I say. So uh, Jack, uh, pump Sandy with a few questions and I'll take it back and wrap up the show with a little bit of uh, giving from Santa.
0: Absolutely. And Sandy, thanks for joining us. Um, It's your first year of retirement uh, and you're not the traditional retiree, but um, a lot of our clients have a difficult time as they transition from active uh, cash flow to, I guess, passive cash flow. And and harvesting um, you know, the, the fruits of uh, their labor. So I just wonder if you could maybe speak to that and how you reacted to, I guess, your first bear market um, as a retiree.
4: Um, I went into my first bear market as a retiree well-prepared. Uh, we had in 2019 an inverted yield curve, which has let, occurred before every recession in the post-war period. Um, I didn't know that we would have COVID as the catalyst for a very deep and rapid recession, Uh, but I was coming in with healthy cash levels. Uh, Indeed, I have a foundation that I use for um, charitable giving. Uh, It went into the recession 100% cash and got about 85% invested in March. So we, I, I, I really did what I would have done as a professional manager. I went where the opportunity was occurring. I don't chase hot ideas. Uh, I, I call that uh, farmyard dog investing. You chase everything that moves by and eventually you get run over. It's just it's, it's a bad risk reward strategy. And I, I don't look, over my shoulder at what other people are doing and mimic them i, I invest to my own investment policy statement um, i that you know sly look over your shoulder and doing what other people are doing is what i call mr dean investing uh, it's you know invest in reference to your own needs and your own resources
0: now i think that's very wise advice you know have a plan stick to the plan um, and also Um, Make sure that your process suits your personality. And obviously, over the years, uh, Sandy, you've developed that. And it's very important that I think most investors uh, do develop that. And it's through experience um, and going through some bear markets that you have, I guess, the fortitude to step into a a very challenging market like we saw back in uh, 2020. From your perspective, and there was speak of it at the time, um, there was talk of us going into the next uh, or the second Great Depression. From your perspective, what avoided that? And um, what do you see going into 2021?
4: Uh, this is going to get into a little bit of detail. Um, when the Fed responded to a very rapid rise in yields on both investment grade and high-yield bond markets by instantly intervening in the what's called the repo market, they showed us that they were not going to allow what happened in the aftermath of Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. They were not going to allow the system to freeze. And uh, that injection of liquidity continues to today. Uh, it's, in my view, distorted interest rates. Um, it's given a little bit of artificial liquidity to the bond market and it the low yields have pushed people into the stock market, um, some of whom who don't belong in the stock. When I look at relative yields, and I use the earnings yield on the S&P 500 and the interest rate for the 10-year treasury, we are still in, I prefer stocks to bonds territory. Um, Now, I personally am an equity investor, so my portfolio is primarily stocks through funds and some directly, and a portion in cash. And the cash is not elevated. It's, um, in my retirement accounts, uh, it's around 20%. And in my uh, margin account, it's running at about 8 or 9%.
2: Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there, Sandy, because again, you are a seasoned money manager and you're able to keep your um, emotions beyond in check. You're able to harvest and take advantage of other people's emotions. You know when to do that, but I, you are a very, very rare individual. And uh, as um, much as you are at the periphery timing the market uh, to add some value and have some fun, perhaps as well, keep yourself sharp. um, I can say again, since You're doing that with 10 to 25% of your money on average. For the most part, you are remaining long because there's toxic consequences plus trading consequences, et cetera, uh, of of, of entering and exiting the market. But again, I go back to you look at the charts, and it's remarkable. And this time, perhaps it's different with the interest rate environment, but uh, the charts of CP, CN, Microsoft, and you go down the list of good brands. Over the last 30, 40, 50 years, if they've been around for that period of time, it's from lower left to upper right. Uh, We try to get too complicated sometimes, I think, and overthink things. But certainly, if uh, you want to overthink, work with the best. And again, Sandy McIntyre, it's just a pleasure to be able to spend some time and, shall I say, work with you as Jack and I prepare our portfolios for the year of 2021. Uh, Indeed, Uh, charitable giving, very important part of your life. Sandy, 30 seconds to your favorite charity and what each and every listener should do this time of year, pal.
4: Well, my favorite charity right now is uh, a school called UTS, University of Toronto Schools. Um, It's in a building at the corner of Spanina and Bloor, a heritage building built in 1919. And is in the process of a massive rebuild.
2: You know, God bless you, Sandy, uh, truly, because money, my good friend, can be the root of all good. Uh, it's a responsibility. It's a big responsibility when you have such, uh, shall I say, power uh, to uh, spread the wealth and do good. Sandy McIntyre, you're a great example uh, of, of character and, and the way one should conduct themselves, uh, certainly when they uh, uh, reach your uh, degree of success. Uh, Very inspiring. Uh, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, Safety, my good friend. Peace. Love, and uh, I look forward to spending time with you next year to find out uh, how the year is treating us Andy, My friends at home, uh, any questions for Jack or I? Money, questions, that's what it's all about on this show. No question too big, no two questions too small. We're always here from you. WolfgangKlein.com is where you can find lots of information. Outside we've had a banner year, our clients are very, very happy. Perhaps we can put a smile on your face for 2021. Check us out. Have a good weekend. Be safe. And every weekend, Saturday night, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The show, Hi-Fi Radio.
1: You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.